0: You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome, welcome to this episode of the Mastering College Two Career podcast. And today I have a super amazing guest for you. Her name is Krista Galeano, and she's a next-gen talent recruiter for Electronic Arts. And um, I've worked with Chris on a couple of occasions. Um, she, she and I did a presentation for Valencia, and then she came and talked to my mentees. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, she is amazing. And so when she said yes to being in the podcast, I high five myself. I high five myself (laughs) of happiness because she's just so real and she's going to she's so open to talking about her experience and kind of what she's seen out there. And what I'm really passionate about, just talking about minority recruiting, diversity recruiting uh, and college recruitment. And so, Krista, what's going on? Welcome. Happy New Year. How are you?
2: Hi, Danielle, happy new year. Um, you set the bar really, really high. So I'm gonna like curb expectations a little bit for anybody that's listening. I'm probably half as amazing as Daniel has made me out to be. Um, but, but yeah, I have, I've had so much fun like connecting with you and the different experiences that we've had. I, I think what's so important about the, the messages that you're sharing is that they're from so many different perspectives. But also I love how much you elevate the realness of what it looks like to be an underrepresented student coming out of college, what it looks like to prepare yourself. So this, this like program, this platform, it's so, so important, especially for people who are first generation, either in school or first generation, even in corporate America.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's, it's, it's super. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. And, and, and I feel like every time you say that, um, I like tuck you up but then every time you come and over deliver so I, I don't think i'm doing that i think I'm, i think i'm pretty fair in my assessment but um so let's tell tell the audience a little bit about you and your, you know your journey from you know from college student to corporate america and, and kind of how that came to be
2: yeah definitely definitely so uh i actually got my undergrad at florida state university not far from here we're orlando locals right um And then I went on to get my master's at the University of Maryland. And I think during that transition, uh, especially in communities of color, there's this narrative around higher education and then higher, higher education, right? The idea is that be as educated as possible and then you're gonna get everything you want in life. You're gonna get the perfect job. You're gonna get all of these things. And unfortunately that narrative no longer rings true. Uh, because more than ever, like networking is what's valued, right? Like the people that you know, the way that you're making connections, the way that you inspire others, your brand on LinkedIn. Um, so so I went to grad school, came out, did a little bit of consulting. And that experience um, was my first in like corporate, corporate America. And it really taught me a lot about how important it is to be kind of monolithic, I guess, Right. Um, I, I learned a lot about how, hey, you need to make sure that you're behaving this way, that you're speaking this way, that you're looking this way, uh, that the way that you think is this way, the way that you work is this way. And it was all this way was very specific to one group of people. And unfortunately, you know, I, again, as communities of color, we aren't raised in cultures like that. I think we're raised in very like expressive and excited cultures. And um, I, I've said this before, you know, and I'll say for anything that I, that I talk about today, it's no reflection of anywhere uh, where I work, right? My opinions are my own, but I, I think that professionalism is very much derivative of white culture, right? If you think about whoever started the first business of the United States of America, how it was built, and then when um, underrepresented groups actually had the opportunity to enter the workforce, they're like, this is so different than what I'm accustomed to. So from there, uh, I left that experience and I was like, I really want to make sure that anybody who looks like me feels safe, feels welcome, feels empowered and knows what to expect when they step, step in the door of these offices and these spaces. And I think that's that's kind of why I get excited to talk about these different things and why I even ended up in recruitment because it's important to me that we're creating equitable opportunities and that we're elevating uh, this diverse talent or underrepresented talent rather.
1: Interesting, and you know, it, I had a very kind of similar example when I went to corporate America, it was a little bit of a, sh- a culture shock for me, right? Um, and there was a lot of things that I didn't learn in school or even learn at my house from my family on how to interact in the workplace and how to communicate um, and, good thing you know i really do think that where i worked for the first six years of my career which is pepsico was very progressive at that time uh the ceo was a minority woman she was one of two fortune 500 ceos to be women and they were really doing a, at least they were it seemed at least in my opinion seemed like they were doing a really good job and trying to close the gap on trying to make sure that their uh, workforce mimic the population in which the communities that they served right mm-hmm. so if I remember we had some recruiting goals um, where we wanted to make sure that um, 40% of our managers uh, were Hispanics in in, in Orlando because 40% of his of Orlando population is Hispanics and kind of like that kind of like echo same thing with like women and African-American and things like that. But um, and now that I see that I see a lot of other companies trying to also have some target goals of recruitment and you, and you see these things as like, oh, she's a woman and she's a minority. So she shouldn't have a problem finding a job. But I guess where I'm going with this is like, now that you have, now you're in recruitment and now you probably have friends and colleagues that also recruit for other companies. My fear now is companies are now setting minority recruiting targets and they're just trying to just fill them up and just close it with what are really trying to find the right talent. But like What are your thoughts on companies having those type of targets? Are those good things? Are those bad things? Are we moving in the right direction?
2: Yeah, that's an awesome question. I think that it's hard because when you set targets that are around identity, in that moment, you have the opportunity to be a bit inequitable and a bit preferential, right? If you're like, we want to make sure that we increase our hires by 30%. Uh, Latinx women, stuff like that. It also can lend itself to negative stigmas. So I think there's already a stigma in, in the corporate workforce where majority people are like, why do I have to lower the bar? Like why are we lowering the bar? Why are we lowering our standards just to hire you know uh, Krista just because she's like multiracial, multi-ethnic uh, and a woman. And I think it can also kind of hurt the people who come in, right? Like the talent, because that's how they're being seen. They're being tokenized a little bit. And it's like, you only got this job because of the way you look and people are kind of forcing these goals on us. So I I think it's tricky when you articulate goals in that way at any level for any identity. I, I think the more powerful thing to do is actually to make it around the way that you're sourcing and the processes that exist within the organization, right? If you're looking at recruitment, how often are you accidentally bringing 10 male profiles, right? Just picking them out of a bunch. If you're randomly looking at hundred and the proportions are 80% of those who applied are male, 20% are female. How are we making that opportunity truly equitable versus just hiring people because of how they identify? So I, I think there's, there's a couple of things there. Also, I really wanna address that stigma that I mentioned about like, hey, why do we have to lower the bar? And I, I wanna say that, that anybody who has that mindset, it's actually pretty wrong because it's not about we're lowering the bar for these communities, it's that we're giving them true access to being considered for these opportunities. And that's why as a recruiter, I don't make hiring decisions, right? But it is important to me that i'm making sure that my hiring teams have access to this talent at all because historically if we look at the proportions they haven't even really been able to see people like me in their in their profiles and in their groups of candidates so once i bring somebody like that and then they see wow this person's like really talented i can bet nine times out of ten whoever that person is they end up beating out the majority
1: yeah. You know, something you said that are really interesting. Um, and I think students uh, don't realize this is, um, recruiters generally don't have the ultimate hiring decision. Um, and, and kind of like what the job of the recruiter is like, and I'm just going to share what I think your job is, but I want you to tell me if I'm completely wrong or sure, what I'm right good. on. And, and not necessarily just, I'm just generalizing here, a, a college recruiter, um, for a, for a company. Right. Um, I always talk about to my students about making sure that they're networking with the hiring manager. And a, a lot of people just assume when I say hiring manager, they're, they're thinking, hey, go to HR, go to the recruiter. Um, but I, the hiring manager is the manager of the department in which you'll be working for. Generally, this person would be your boss, right? And they are the ultimately the ones who have the ultimate hiring decision because How can their boss hold them accountable for the success of their team if they don't necessarily get to pick their team? And for the most part, generally, the hiring manager gets to pick their team. Now, a recruiter's job, um, their job is to find the most qualified candidates for that position and allow the hiring manager, whatever, maybe he's an engineer, maybe he is a a sales manager, whatever it is, to continue to run the day-to-day business, to, to run the project and let the recruiter find the talent because that's their expertise. Now, generally speaking, I would say, I mean, depending the recruiter will then find a handful, five to 10, 15 top candidates and present it to the hiring manager. And then the hiring manager from there then selects which ones they want to interview. And a lot of times the recruiter might also do the first round of interviews to kind of do like the screening interviews to figure out, um, do they have, you know, the, the right qualities to do the job in the first place so that we're not wasting the hiring manager's time interviewing somebody that's not qualified or not even in the ballpark. But um, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? Because I want to make sure the students walk away with, if they were going to walk away one thing from this podcast, is truly understand what are the roles and all the people that are involved in the recruitment process for when they're looking for a job.
2: Yeah, that's actually spot on. So I think a lot of the times, you know, uh, again, being from underrepresented communities, we don't have access to this information, right? This isn't stuff that we're raised to know and understand. So I think getting the roles right is really important. The recruiter can potentially, depending on who you're dealing with, kind of act as a gatekeeper. So it actually is important for you to make connections with the people who have authority over the gatekeeper. So when people reach out to me on LinkedIn, a lot of the times I'm like, this is the wrong direction. Reaching out to me is not worth it. Reaching out to recruiters is not worth it. You need to be making connections with the people who actually exist on those teams, the people who are making those decisions. Um, Because at most as a recruiter, right, we can elevate your resume. But I'll be honest with you, Daniel, on average, I get like 100 LinkedIn messages a week. So uh, within those pools, like realistically speaking, you can't elevate everybody, even though there's hundreds of people who are qualified for one position, right? So I I think this is kind of like my golden nugget piece of advice that I'll give to anybody at any age, uh, but especially for students coming out of, of college, figuring out what their career is, find a mentor. And a lot of times the mentor that you're looking for should be somebody in a role that you aspire to be in somebody that you like see yourself in that kind of position. Right. And that person is making decisions and that person knows other people that are making decisions at other companies. Right. So I think getting at your first point, which is like your time is much better spent being intentional and connecting with hiring teams over recruiters. Um, But but I also think that there's still a lot of work to be done in the recruitment industry around what inclusive recruiting looks like. So I think the term gatekeeper can be a little dangerous, but it is the reality right recruiters kind of act as that first barrier. And remember, I said, I don't think it's so much the goal that's important as it is making sure that the processes. That's me. I'm a recruiter. I'm a recruitment process are equitable. And right. that they're inclusive, right? So, what are the biases that exist within these people or within these departments and functions that could potentially be restricting underrepresented talent? You know, does yeah. that make
1: sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I and I think it's important to note, like recruiters can say no to your resume, and so they can, mm-hmm. so you're, you, they can actually eliminate your chances of getting it. But then ultimately, then they pass it on for someone. So they ultimately cannot say yes. They could just move it forward, right? And so I think that is something that if I can give any advice to whether you're one of my current students or just somebody listening to this podcast, is, understand that most, most students, when they're reaching out to people on LinkedIn, they're reaching out to the recruiter. And like Krista mentioned, they get hundreds of messages a week, but very, very little people take the time to find out who the decision maker is and reach out to them. And I think the reason Krista is because it's not as clear of a search. Right. So it's not as black and white, just type recruiter, my dream company. And it pops up, right? Like there's a little bit more detective work that goes on to that. And I think that's what's going to help
3: you stand out. Hey, you made it to the middle of the episode. Let's take a break to tune into how one of the mentees used insight from Daniel and the Master in Kasha Career Academy to help them take steps towards their dream job or internship. Hey guys. David here, and I just got the internship of my dreams, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the help of Daniel and the Master in College to Career Academy. Before the program, I had been looking for an internship for about two years, and I didn't get anywhere. I sent out more than 100 applications, got called back for five interviews, all of which led nowhere. Then I met Daniel, who introduced me to his program, and my progress skyrocketed. Uh, Daniel had, has been a recruiter. He's been out there, he knows what works. Um, he knows what recruiters like, and with those tips that he gave to me, I was able to do way better and immediately start putting you know his teachings into practice and getting called back for interviews and offers um it was wild I'd never imagined that it would be as successful as it was um if there's anyone out there that was like me when I was looking for internships and not getting anywhere I highly 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 recommend I can't recommend it enough that you become a part of this program uh Daniel you know Daniel offers a a money-back guarantee if you don't like the program or if you can't get a job, which is insane, you know? Like, <laughs> it gives you no reason not to do it if your life will be better and you'll end up getting making more money because of it anyway, right? So, you know, what are you waiting for? Give it a shot. It'll make your life better, I promise. Uh, thanks again to Daniel and the, the awesome program that he made. I owe my life and my future to him. This student's testimony is just one of thousands who have landed a position in their dream career. So if you're interested in joining the academy alongside these successful mentees, schedule a strategy call with Daniel today at career.com forward slash strategy call. And now, let's get back to the episode.
1: Now, I know you were mentioning about... uh, Something you mentioned really triggered me too. I don't know if last year, if you... I'm sure you probably heard of this, like the CEO of Wells Fargo talking about that the reason why they don't have enough black talent is because there wasn't enough, like, or they, they don't recruit enough black talent is because they don't have, I'm maybe quoting it wrong, but uh, it's because there isn't enough good talent out there or something like that. Um, he apologized. Um, and I think it's just, where are you recruiting? I, I where, where is it that you're recruiting? So what advice do you have? Because I think I've noticed is that visibility becomes more important than ability in terms of getting to the first job, like getting to those first rounds of jobs. Like if you're a minority student, first generation student, you don't have guidance, you don't have family connections. Um, you want to work for a company. How do you make it easier to be recruited into this companies? How do you find visibility among these hundreds of people that are wanting to get jobs at major companies?
2: Yeah, I think, so first of all, when you were mentioning, I, I totally know what, what story you're talking about, incredible eye roll, right, because we actually, we hear that at a lot of our companies, right, it's that, oh, there's just not enough talent that looks like this um, in order for us to be recruiting from, but, but the reality is much of what you said is that they just don't have the resources to understand what it looks like to be as visible, If you think about it, you know, when I mentioned, oh, professionalism is derivative of white culture, this is a history, right? Think about the groups that have been in corporate America the longest. So they have the strongest networks, they have the strongest resources, they have easiest access to the culture and to understand what it looks like to be quote unquote successful in those spaces. So I I think much like what I said earlier about like, oh, I, I went, I got this higher, higher education and then I realized it is more about visibility and it is less about ability. Um, I I think a lot of the times people are often chosen on their potential. And unfortunately that's not a luxury or a privilege that a lot of underrepresented talent has, right? We kind of either have to be um, super qualified or overqualified in order to be considered for these roles and for people to take us seriously. So um, I, I think to kind of answer your question, A big part of it is just making sure that you're being intentional. And it's tough to make that decision so early on, but really dig your heels in, understand what you're passionate about, understand the direction that you wanna take. Even if it's not, hey, I know that I wanna be an HR professional for the rest of my life. Understand what gets you excited and what you're amazing at, because from there you get to be more intentional about the network that you build. A lot of the times when people think about networking they think oh it's knowing as many people as possible i swear to you it's not if you know one amazing person who is super interconnected with you who's a sponsor who's a champion for you that'll be good enough sometimes um and a lot of people are like oh well how do i even find a mentor you know i was in a place when i first moved back to orlando it was really hard for me to find an opportunity that I, I was excited about here. And it's just because um, of the, the landscape, right? We didn't have as many opportunities for like culture discussions and change management, things like that. So I actually sent out a message to like 15 different professionals who had roles that I aspired to have, right? I'm like, these are people that I look up to. I want to be her, send her a message that was just basically like, I'm so hungry. I have so much talent. I'm really eager to grow. I just need a little bit of sunlight and water. Will you help me? That's really, I sent like 15 people and only one person responded. And that person ended up being somebody who worked at EA. And six months later, I landed a role at EA. And it's not because um, they were preferential to me because of that relationship, But I had greater access and visibility because of that relationship. And that's what's important is that she was not only to able to introduce me to people, but she was also able to advocate for me and be a sponsor and a champion of how talented I am. And I think that's another reason what you do is so important. You act as like this grandfathered mentor to like hundreds of students, right? Um, but it's also important that students are finding those intimate one-on-one connections with people who are excited to grow them. Does that answer your question? Sorry, that was- No,
1: it does. It does. (laughs) And I just want to add some things to like help students that are listening because I think the power of relationships and mentoring, I think quality over quantity, so, so important. And I see so many mistakes of students just understand like you, you get you get told you've always told like especially in college, like networking is important but then no one teaches you how to network right and so it's like great networking is important so how, what do you what do you do to network or like just talk to people so then people go on LinkedIn and they just start adding everybody and then they start with their relationship wrong and so just this is definitely not a networking episode but just wanted to just give you guys some advice that just has worked really well. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated. It's that simple. And what I mean by that is, would you, when when you're about to message someone on LinkedIn, ask yourself, how would you feel if somebody messaged you that same question, right? So if you start and you message Krista, it's like, hi, Krista, my name is Daniel. Here's my resume, I want to work at EA. How would you feel if a stranger messaged you and all they said was like, here's my resume, hire me, right? you wouldn't necessarily be, you would probably ignore it or be like, okay, thank you and do nothing with it. Right? Like, so treat people how you would want to be treated. So instead, start the conversation, go on Chris's profile. And I'm I'm using Chris Chris as an example, right? (laughs) Find something that you have in common, commonality key, the more that you have in common, the better, right? And try to figure out a way to add value, you know, maybe you figure out that Krista has a po- podcast and maybe you listen to all the episodes on the podcast and you say, hey, Krista, here's my thought. I listened to your podcast. I really, really like this. I have some questions about this. And then you find more things to bond about. And then what's so interesting is that people are always going to be like, "Chris is probably going to be like, oh, so what do you do? Right? Because mm-hmm. it's just human behavior. And then you have a relationship and you have a friendship. And when you do that, instead of just rushing for the kill, here's my resume you actually get to build a long lasting relationship because there's no such thing as long lasting relationship. If it's not mutually beneficial. And that applies to your network on LinkedIn that applies to your family and friends that applies to your boyfriend and girlfriend, wife, fiance, whatever it is. Right. Um, And so always think, how can you add value? How can you contribute before you go? Like you wouldn't go to a bank and ask to withdraw money without having deposited money in the past
2: yeah I think that's so right and that was how I approached my mentorship with like my current mentor who kind of also ended up being like a totally amazing like bestie um (laughs) was how can I help her like she's helping me so much and it was just a genuine thing I'm like she's giving me access to all of these amazing tools and knowledge and insight I just want to help her how can I help her and that's actually how we ended up doing the podcast together so I, I think that just being like really genuine in the way that you approach your career, I think a lot of the times it gets super transactional, right? Especially when you're first coming out of college, the question is, how can I make the most money? What role can I take where I can have the best salary? So we're thinking about salary. We're also thinking about status, right? Like what, what position and what title is going to make me sound super cool, Um And if you just start off your career search and journey with being authentic with yourself and being like, Krista, what are you actually good at? What what do you actually care about? What gets you excited? And think about it from that way. Everything else falls into place. The way that you connect with people, the way that you live your values, the way that you go to work. So I, I really agree with that approach, Daniel.
1: No, Krista. What other advice do you have, you know, as we close this uh, podcast, since I don't know how it's already been 30 minutes. I look at the clock, I'm like, it's it's like three minutes. No, it's like 30 minutes. But, um, what final advice do you have for, you know, for students listening to this podcast, maybe they graduate in May, right? So this is their last semester, um, have spent the last six months applying, no luck, zero luck, you know, not getting reply. Um, And they're a little nervous, you know, they're, they're, they're afraid and they want to get a really good job when they graduate.
2: So it's tough because while I think I can provide advice, I'm also a firm believer in that you have to like touch the stove in order to understand that it's hot for yourself. And one thing you can probably agree, Daniel, most people who are a bit older, you talk with them and they all fumbled at at least one job right? Something happened, something that was a bit traumatic or icky, it has to happen to everybody. I think in order to avoid it happening in a way that like traumatizes you is to again, plot out your life in a way that it's purposeful, not where it's about a paycheck, but where it's about people and where it's about you and how happy you are and the way that you're engaging with others. So when you're first coming out of college, really do the dirty work. Do the thinking now, because otherwise what happens is that you go through a few jobs, you realize you're unhappy and then you have to start all over again anyways. And you have to pick it up and be like, what am I good at? Why was I being a data analyst? I'm not even passionate about that. I just thought it'd make me a lot of money and I, I was okay at it. So I thought, and it's just not the way to live. So I, I think, Again, coming out of college, it's hard, right? Because you're raised, you get the degree, then you get a good job and then everything else falls into place and it's just not the reality of how it works. So stop thinking of life as a ladder. It's not linear. It's more of like a journey, right? There's gonna be different paths and there's gonna be downs and ups and moments of like stagnancy. Um, So I think it's my best, best advice is just about mindset And then also finding a mentor who can help empower you in whatever field you're passionate about and who can really give you that insight to help you prep your resume, get excited about interviews, connect with the right people at other companies. So I think mindset and mentorship probably.
1: Love it. Um, Krista, thank you so much for, for coming and joining the show. You are amazing. You know, I am a huge, huge fan of you. Um, I would definitely put uh, a link to your uh, LinkedIn so the students want to connect. Again, if you're going to connect with her, give, let me give you some tips. Don't send the <laughs> resume on the first try. Connect <laughs> with her first. Be a human first. Um, and just follow her because she's awesome. Um, and you're, you're, you're amazing. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yes, please connect with me. Love to make new friends all the time. And like, good luck to everybody who listens to Daniel you are in such a better place than I was and that most people our age were because you have access to, to what he puts out there. So.
1: Ah, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Bye everybody. Catch you guys on the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, Please subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.